you guys for, for next week. Remember that I told you something last week. I told you something that was very important. Personally, I consider, okay, I consider when I study the Scriptures that Jesus saw prayer as the most important thing that He could be doing. That was the thing that He dedicated most of His mornings to. Even before the sun would rise, He would dedicate His time to what? To pray. To pray. I really believe that this is the most important activity that you and I could do as human beings. Because what we're doing when we do that, okay, is that we're allowing heaven and earth to come together. This is the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them that is recorded in Scripture. I mean, there could have been other things. You know, Jesus could have been a great cook. I don't know about that. You know what I'm saying? But he did prepare some fish for them right before, you know, he left and he had them broiled and stuff like that. But I never read in the Scripture the disciples asking Jesus, hey, Jesus, show us how to cook. You know, that's not recorded in Scripture. You know, Jesus, show us, you know, how you walk on water. Not recorded in Scripture. But what's recorded in the Bible is when the disciples told him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. So why is prayer so important? I'm sort of like summarizing all this. Because when we pray, we give God a license. Can we say the word license? We give God a license. Okay. How many of us have a license to drive? Raise your hand. All right. I remember when I was like 14, 15, I was dying to have a license to drive. You know? I remember I was dying to be able to drive, and I didn't start driving until later on when I was like 19 or 20, which was horrible, all right? And today I'm driving around the streets, and sometimes I look at the passenger, you know, the person next to me, I'm like, man, that guy, I don't think he's past 14 years old in that car driving, you know what I'm saying? Like, what age are, these, are they giving these licenses now? But license gives you the ability or the permission to do something under the law. Right? And that's important, okay? Because I want to tell you that one of the things that I've mentioned in this series is that we can lock up the license for God to work here on earth. How do I lock up that license, Pastor? When we don't pray. When we don't pray, we lock up that license. And humans can stop God from working here on earth by locking up the license. Now, you might be here and say, but Pastor, isn't God all-powerful? Isn't God all sovereign? Yes, He is. But God also established laws to run the universe. And one of those laws, we talked about it at the beginning of the series. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion. Let them reign over the earth. And when God said, let them have dominion, let them reign over the earth, He didn't include Himself in that let them reign. Let them reign was humans. God is spirit. We are flesh and blood. Actually, one of the things that I'm going to teach you in the coming weeks is how, okay, how the Son of God had to take a body in order to come to earth to accomplish the will of God. You see, Jesus Christ couldn't just come from heaven as a spirit. He had to take up a body. And in a body, He had to pay for our sins. He had to be like us. And we're not going to look into that, and that's going to be powerful. But today we're going to look at what it looks like or what it does not look like when we lock up that license. 
And we're going to look at the scripture that, man, if you've been in church for some time, you've heard the scripture being preached. You know, you've heard, you know, what Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 and 15, and there's where we're going to be this morning. Second Chronicles 7, 14 and 15. I want, you, I want us to look at the scripture because I want you to see for yourself. You guys that are at home, I want you to see for yourself, okay, and have a clear understanding of this truth of the kingdom. Of how it is that we could give access to God or how we could lock Him up. Here at Numa Church, we, got, we want to give God all access. You know what I'm saying? You know when you have all access football games on Sunday, they can just flip the channel and watch any game that's going on. In our, man, we want to give God all access here at Numa Church. Lord, you could just work here on earth. You could do whatever it is you want to do. We don't want to lock you up. We don't want to bind you up. Just move in power and glory. So Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. How many of you guys are there? You guys ready? I think it's going to be right behind me in a second. I'm reading from the ESV. Okay. And it says this, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name. This Scripture that we are reading here, okay, it starts with an if. If my people, if... Okay, what does the word if mean? What does it stand for? It stands for a condition. Can you say that with me? A condition. The word if, okay, is a condition. God starts to teach us here about prayer, and there's a condition at the beginning of the sentence. And that condition is what? If. And the idea is that there's a nation that's in trouble. Okay, there's a nation that's in trouble. There's a land that's in trouble. And God cannot fix it because of something that is not allowing Him to do it. If. See, it's very similar to what we're going through today. Our land, our nation, our world <laughs> is in trouble. If, God says, my people, I'm waiting on a condition. If my people, my people, God is saying, I'm waiting on a specific people. I'm waiting on a specific people. Who are those people? Because what God is saying is like, man, I'm finding people praying all over the place. But I'm not finding the people that I want to find. There's people all over the world that are praying, but if my people, because there's prayers that are being brought to me, but I cannot answer those prayers. Because they're not my people. But if my people. You see, 
Right now, we have 1.9. According to 2020, I actually went to do the stats and look into all this in Google. As of 2020, we have 1.9 billion Muslims in the world right now. 1.9 billion Muslims in the world right now. You know they're praying. They're praying. Most of them five times a day. From the moment before sunrise all the way to their last prayer in the evening. 1.2 billion Hindus in the world right now. And they're going to all their temples. We went in India. We saw many of those temples are going into the Ganges River. They're diving into that river. They're praying. 506 million Buddhists in the world today as of 2020. Many people that are praying. But God says, I'm trying to find my people. I'm trying to find my people. God is looking for His people. You see, because His people are a different kind of people. (laughs) God's people are a different kind of people. And God is saying, I want to hear from my people. Okay? Because when my people pray, I could actually move. They give me license to do things here on earth. So I'm waiting for my people. Now, according to the Scripture, God says, my people have a few problems. (laughs) My people have some issues. What are some of the issues that the people of God have? Well, they're full of pride and they're wicked. (laughs) God is looking for a people that are prideful and wicked. Does anybody want to raise their hand for that one this morning? (laughs) God is looking for some humans. He's saying, if, if my people, and then it says, would humble themselves. There's pride in the heart of my people. There's pride in the heart of my people if they would humble themselves. If they would humble themselves. You see, we're going to look into what humble themselves means. The word humble themselves means striking your chest. That's what the original word means. Striking your chest. Tearing your clothes. The old Hebrews, the Jewish, when they would get news, when they had to repent, they would tear their clothes. The Bible says that when the high priest asked Jesus if he was the Christ, and when Jesus said, I am the Christ, the high priest tore his clothes. Humbling yourself means that you you strike your chest, you tear your clothes, you beat your chest out of righteous indignation. Write that word down. Righteous indignation. What does righteous indignation mean, Pastor? I'm going to tell it to you like this. That the things that burden God will burden you and me. That the things that are important to God will be important to you and me. That the things that he's thinking about, you and me would think about, and that will make us say, Lord, something needs to happen. Righteous indignation. I remember being a student 
University in downtown. Our campus was down there, Trinity International University. It was actually where the Christ Fellowship campus is right now. And it looks very different now because there's even some high-rises there now and everything. I remember that we would have, you know, classes. I would finish some classes sometimes at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Then my next class wouldn't be till like 4.30 in the afternoon. And I, I lived all the way by Fontainebleau. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm not going to drive all the way home to come back. I'm just going to stay around. I remember one day in particular, I had prayed a few days before. I was going to say, I, I prayed and I say, Lord, allow me to see through your eyes the way that you see things in life. I want to see with your eyes. I want to feel what your heart feels when you look at this world. And I remember that I finished my class. I went down, you know, there was like a Miami subs down there. I love the chicken wings from Miami subs, you know, back in the day. I haven't been there in a long time. You know what I'm saying? I heard Pitbull bought Miami subs. I don't know if that's true or not. You know, but I haven't been to Miami subs. And I went to Miami subs to get some wings. And I remember I was walking down the street. And I was looking at all the homeless. You know, and there's a big Catholic church down there. There was like four or five of them sleeping outside. People begging for money. And I started to see the condition. And all of a sudden, there was like the sadness that came over me. There was a brokenness that came over me. You know what happened when I got to Miami South? I was not hungry. That's a miracle. <laughs> That's a miracle. I was not hungry. My wife, baby, why are you nodding yes with your head, man? <laughs> I got my wings, though, even though I was not hungry. I like three of them. I packed up the rest. I'm going to be in school the whole day. Later on, I'll eat this. I took it with me. As I walked down the street back to the campus, tears started to come down my eyes. And I didn't know what was going on. I was sad throughout my whole next class. And I got home at nighttime. And right before bed, I went to my knees and prayed. I'm like, Lord, what in the world is going on? Because I feel broken inside. I feel like if, you know, if my wife had told me some horrible news, you know, back in the day, like if my girlfriend had broken up with me or something, I feel horrible. What's going on? You know what the Holy Spirit told me? He goes, didn't you want to see through my eyes the way that I see things? And didn't you want to feel with my heart what I feel when I see things that are going on in this world? I'm just giving you a little glimpse of that right now. I was like, oh my God. There was so much hurt, so much pain. There was so much sadness. And I'm not saying that God is on the throne all sad and cutting his veins. That's not what I'm saying. All right? I think heaven is the most joyful place that there could ever be. But I really believe that God's heart is burdened with some stuff that is going on in this world. And I really believe that you and I, if we would learn to humble ourselves and ask God, God, give me your heart for these situations. God could really do some things down here. If my people would humble themselves... God is waiting for some people. Write this down. God is waiting for some people that say, Lord, you can use me to solve this problem. You can use me to solve this problem. Here's my faith, Lord. Here's my prayer, Lord. Use me to solve this. Prayer requires humility. There's no way around that, guys. You guys that are watching at home, prayer requires humility. We have to be humble. And then it says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek 
my face. If they pray and do what, guys? Seek my face. I want you to see something, maybe for the first time today. Pray and seek my face are separate. They're not the same thing. If my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, pray is petitioning the kingdom of heaven. It's petitioning the king of heaven. It's coming to him with a petition. It's the example that as we preached about about three weeks ago about that persistent widow. Remember that example? That she would come and mock on the judge and she would tell the judge, give me, listen to the words that she would use. This is very important, the word. She would say, okay, give me justice against my adversary." There was an adversary that was coming against her. How many of you guys know that the adversary, the Bible says, is the devil and he's prowling around, okay, like a roaring lion. And she's saying, give me justice. Prayer is about receiving justice from heaven here on earth. Not human justice, divine justice. That's what prayer is. I mean, I talk to him as my father. I communicate to him as a son coming to the Father. But I don't stay there. I move on. Heart Father who art in heaven. Oh, there's a part that I recognize His fatherhood over me, my dependence on Him as His Son. And I say, hallowed be Your name. And I go through the names of God. I shared that in the Numanite this Wednesday. Hope that that was a blessing to you guys. And then I go into the part where it says, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, and that's the time that I petition the kingdom. That's when I place my petitions before God where I talk to Him, that persistent widow that was going before the only one that could give her justice. I love when Jesus says, if this unrighteous judge, he didn't fear God, he didn't fear man, gave her justice, how much more? Your heavenly Father will do for you. Will He answer your prayer? So this scripture says, if my people would humble themselves and pray, petition the kingdom, and then seek my face. Seek my face. Write that down. Seek my face. It's different than pray. Okay? The word seek my face actually means, pay attention, consecrate. Hmm. If my people would petition the kingdom and consecrate themselves, it means that you set yourself apart from your normal life. And you don't mess with your normal life for a while. For example, these 21 days of prayer that finished yesterday, Many of you guys that were coming to the 21 days of prayer, you see, it, it, your life had to change. You had to wake up a little earlier. You had to drive down here to church to make sure that you made it by 6 o'clock in the morning, not in the evening. <laughs> and then maybe you got, had to go into work maybe a little bit later, talk to your, whatever it was, but there was something that changed. Life couldn't continue as normal when you were seeking His face, consecrating yourself. And God is saying, 
I don't only want people who would humble themselves. I don't only want people that will pray and petition me all the time. But I want people that will seek my face. People that will seek my face. People that will consecrate themselves, that will set themselves apart and put outside all distractions. During a season, during a time of your life, listen. And that your priorities would be His priorities during that season and during that time. I would tell the Lord, Lord, this time is set apart for you. I remember a few years ago, we were doing these 21 days of prayer. And if you notice, these 21 days of prayer, okay, all right, these are in summer. There's no basketball season going on. The other ones are in January, right at the basketball season going on. And I remember the Lord one day in prayer told me, I want you to seek my face. I said, Lord, I'm going to pray. He goes, no. I want you to give up basketball during these 21 days. No watching, no turning on ESPN, no finding out, no score, no watching, no game, no heat game, nothing. I want you to consecrate yourself, set yourself apart. I'm like, oh Lord, that's not coming from you. Lord, you would not strike your servant with this plague right here, Lord. One time, I'm going to tell you something. One time the Lord told me, I want you to consecrate yourself and seek me during the evening hours. And I told the Lord, Lord, I'm ready. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. He goes, no, I want you to wake up every day at three in the morning. I was like, the Lord rebuke you. This is the devil talking to me, man. What do you mean you want me to wake up at three in the morning? The Lord told me, I want you to wake up at three in the morning and I want you to pray from three to seven in the morning every day. I want you to set yourself apart. I don't want you to turn on the phone to see what happened, what were the news, what were the scores. No, I want you to consecrate yourself. You guys understanding what I'm talking about? That's called consecration, when you set yourself apart. And here's where the fasting example comes from. I want to say something about fasting. Do you guys know that fasting is my hardest spiritual discipline? These past few years, I've gotten to the point where I enjoy it now. It wasn't like that so before, right? Now when I get close to that 21 days and it's finishing, I'm like, man, Lord, I think I could push this thing to 40, you know? When you already break that first week, it's pretty easy after that, you know? And you see God moving in a mighty way, you know? But, but I'm going to talk to you guys about the fast because you can't fast and live a normal life. You can't be consecrating yourself in a fast and continue living a normal life. Listen to what I'm going to say. That's why we fast for losing weight, but we don't get no spiritual benefit out of it. Oh, pastor, I'm going to be fasting. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, man, I want to lose 12 pounds during this fast. That's your reward. 12 pounds. But heaven didn't move. Because you were checking yourself out in the mirror every day. Let me see how my fast is going. Standing sideways, you know what I'm saying? You don't stand forward. Standing sideways. And the Lord's saying, that's not consecrating yourself to me. That's for your own benefit. You should change your eating habits. Don't be fasting and saying that you're fasting to move heaven. You're trying to lose weight. God knows the motives of the heart. I had to say something about fasting. All right? Listen, God is not seeking someone that is trying to lose weight. God is seeking someone that is waiting to wait on Him, to change earth, to do great things. 
He's not looking for people that want to lose weight, man. Go join a gym or something. You know what I'm saying? If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, consecrate themselves. Oh, and this is a good part. And turn from their wicked ways. I have a few minutes just to explain this part. If they would do what, guys? Turn from their wicked ways. Ways. Do you know what God is saying? I'm looking for a people that are prideful. They need to humble themselves. And a people that are wicked. They need to turn from their wicked ways. How many wicked people are here this morning ready to pray? Nobody's going to raise their hand on that one. But those are His people. The ones that need to humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. And you might be here and say, Pastor, I don't have no wicked ways. I've been born again, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, baptized, speaking in tongues. I'm going to tell you a few things about being wicked. Because Jesus mentions wickedness two times in the gospel. And in the Proverbs, the Proverbs speak about wickedness. The Psalms speak about wickedness. But I want to see what Jesus says about wickedness. And you know one of the things that Jesus calls wicked? I'm going to tell you one of the things that Jesus calls wicked. And one of the times that Jesus says that somebody's wicked is that servant in the parable of the talents. Oh, one received five, one received two, one received one. When the master comes, the one that received one says, I buried your talent. And the master said, you wicked servant. Your wicked servant. Why was he wicked? Because he didn't use his gift. He didn't use his talent. He didn't use his money to bring glory and honor to God. Those people that say, oh no, I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to join the dream team. I'm not going to do no growth track. You know, that's, you know, going out of my way. You know, I'm keeping this for myself. You know, or you don't want to give. No, no, no. I don't believe in giving and tithing and this and that. You wicked servants. Not my words. The king's words. Jesus' words. He considers that wickedness. And the second time that he calls somebody wicked was the time that they told them to do a miracle. And he says, this perverse and wicked generation wants to see a miracle. The only miracle you're going to see is the sign of Jonah. Who are those that are wicked according to Jesus? The ones that don't use their gifts, talents, and money to honor God? Or those that put conditions on God? Lord, if I see a miracle, then I'll start serving you. Lord, if you heal my mom, then I'll start serving you. Lord, if there's a vaccine for COVID, then I'll start serving you. And Jesus says, wicked and perverse generation. You're not going to see no miracle. You're not going to see no sign. See, there's many of us that put conditions on God to honor Him, to serve Him. People that say, Lord, if you do this, if you do that, then I'll, I'll go ahead and, and do that. You know, people that bargain with God. Any bargainers with God? I want to tell you something. I was like that. I actually ended up giving my life to Jesus. Praise God that He's a merciful God. And He doesn't judge us according to our wickedness. 
But my first prayer was a prayer of wickedness. My first prayer was, Lord, if you heal my dad and get me out of this situation, then I'll use the rest of my life to serve you. That was my first prayer. And here I am serving him 20-something years later. God answered the prayer of a wicked person. Because I put a condition on God. And this morning I was talking to the dream team. And I was telling them about Jacob in the Bible. You don't need to look for this, but the scripture, all right, you could write that down. It's the 28th chapter of Genesis. How Jacob has this dream about the stairway to heaven. He's sleeping on a rock. Things have gotten really bad, guys, when you're sleeping on a rock. <laughs> if your pillow feels like a rock, please go and change your pillow today. You know, go to Target, Walmart, BJ's, and change your pillow. This guy had a rock for a pillow, okay? Jacob. He was a trickster. All right? He was a trickster. He was a deceiver. That's what his name, Jacob, means. And he has this vision of God and heaven. And God starts to talk to him. And saying, the same way that I promised your grandfather Abraham and your dad Isaac, the same way I'm going to use you and do this and that. And when he wakes up, he goes, hey, I didn't know that this was, you know, God was in this place. And he tells the Lord, Lord, if you bring me back safe, and bless me where I'm going. And multiply me where I'm going. If you do that, then you will be my God. <laughs> then I will say that this is the house of God and I will name it Bethel. And then I will give you a tenth. I will give you my tithe for everything you've given me. And he went on his way. You see, this guy tried to bargain with God. How many of us identify ourselves with that? Come on, it wasn't that the only the pastor that's been bargaining with God sometimes? And Jacob was bargaining with God. He was trying to, you know, negotiate with God. Lord, if you do this, then I'm going to do that. And Jesus calls that wickedness. And you know what happened? And I'm going to tell you what happened as we, you know, come here. You know, we start bringing this plane down. Okay. You know what happened? Jacob had to have an experience where he had to wrestle with God. Jacob had to have a moment, okay, many years later, okay, where he wrestled with God and God had to deal with that condition in his heart. And the Bible says that when God wrestled with Jacob, the Bible says that God changed his name. Let me tell you something, that when we talk about changing a name, it means about changing your character. God needs to change the character of some people in this time, in this moment, because God wants to use you to do great things here on earth, but He can't use you with that character. He needs to change your name. Oh, I pray that the moment comes, whether it's today or someday, that this altar will be filled with people that come to wrestle with God and say, Lord, there's some things in me that are messed up. I need to wrestle with you. You need to do something in me, Lord. Prayer means turning from your wicked ways. Away from those days of making deals with God. How many of you guys today say, Lord, I'm moving away from those days of making deals with you? I don't want to negotiate with you anymore, Lord. I don't want to put conditions on you anymore, Lord. Lord, I want to use my talents, my gift, my money, everything that I am to honor and glorify you, Lord. And then 
I will hear from heaven, the Bible says. When all these things have happened, then I will hear from heaven. It's like God saying, okay, now you're ready. Now you're ready to come before me. Now I will hear from heaven. Where's God going to hear from? Where's God going to hear from? I will hear from where? God's not coming down to earth. He's in heaven. You and I need to rise up. The Bible says you and I are seated in heavenly places. God's not going to come, oh, poor little me. No, 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 no. I will hear from heaven. I'm in my throne. I'm in my place. I'm God. Okay? But God says, this is the prayer that I'm looking for. When, I, when all these things combine, when all these things combine, when you humble yourself, when you pray, from, when you consecrate yourself, when you turn from your wicked ways, okay, now I'm starting to hear these prayers. Now you're giving me license to do something. I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin. Can you say that with me? Sin. Can you say the word sin with me? Sin. I will forgive their what? Their sin. Pay attention. In this part of Scripture, it doesn't say, I will forgive their sins, plural. It says, I will forgive their sin, singular. What was the sin of the people of God in the Scripture and the sin that you and I have? You know that the word there for sin is the same word used of when Adam fell and he rebelled. The word for sin there is rebellion. Rebellion. I will forgive the rebellion. I will forgive their rebellion. It was one act of rebellion. One act. You're trying to do things your way. You don't want me to interfere. Have it your way. Like Burger King. I don't know if that's the Burger King slogan anymore. It used to be Burger King. Have it your way. That wasn't Burger King's slogan. That was God's slogan. You want to rebel? Have it your way. Have it your way. And that's why it says that he will do what? He will forgive our sin. He will forgive our rebellion. When we come and we humble ourselves and pray and seek his faith and turn from our wicked ways, what we're telling God is the following. We're telling God, God, we're tired of running this independently from you. We depend on you, Lord. We can't do it without you, God. God, here I am. My nation is in a mess. Lord, use me, God. And then God will hear from heaven and forgive that rebellion. Forgive that sin. I want to tell you that heaven had been waiting, okay, the whole year for these three weeks that just passed. Heaven had been waiting the whole year for these 21 days of prayer. I really believe that with all my heart. God was waiting on us, saying, oh man. That's how important, church. Listen to this. You guys that are at home, you guys that are here, listen to this. That's how important your role is. Your role is so important. You have a role in prayer. It's not something we delegate to five people. Those are the people that need to be praying. No, we all need to be praying. What God is saying, if 
I could align you with me, then I could get some things done here. If I can just align you with me, it says, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I would heal their nation. I will hear, heal their land. This land that we're in needs us to be praying right now. <laughs> you don't need to be a rocket scientist. To understand that we need to be in our knees as Christians right now praying for God to heal our land. God is saying, I'm waiting for those people. That's why Jesus says in prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as I conclude this morning, I want to tell you that the kingdom of God could be locked out by a prayerless church. A prayerless church can lock out the kingdom of God. I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be the pastor of that church. I want when God looks at Numa Church, that God says, oh, that's a praying people right there. I could look to these people because the scripture says in verse 15, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. God is saying, when I have people that humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways, I'm going to hear from heaven, heal their land, and now my ears and eyes are attentive to the prayer of these people. How many of you guys are grateful to God that after these 21 days of prayer, God is leaning in, leaning in, saying, I'm hearing, I'm hearing. You got my attention. God is saying, you got my attention. I want you to close your eyes right there where you're at. You got God's attention. What a mighty thought. You got God's attention. That's a powerful thought. The holy and righteous one, the one that never sinned, he came here to earth, he died on a cross to pay for your sin and my sins. And the Bible says that if you invite him to be your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you become a son or daughter of God and you become part of this kingdom that I'm preaching about. Because he says, without being born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And today I want to give you the opportunity to see and to be part of that beautiful kingdom. To have Jesus in your heart and have eternal life. So if that's you this morning, here or there, I want you to pray with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer now. Repeat this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, Today I invite you into my heart. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins and for resurrecting and giving me the gift of eternal life. Today I declare that I'm a son or daughter of God. That I am filled with your Holy Spirit and that I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. In your mighty name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.